Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Today's message is about the flesh, and particularly the flesh of the Christian, the flesh of a man who walks with God, and the flesh of a woman who walks with God. Many of us erroneously presume that now that I am a son of God, and I am the daughter of God, and I'm walking in the Holy Spirit, and grace is in my life, and there is fruit from my life, and there is even the spiritual giftings of God through me. I have additional faith, and I have works of power, and even at times, uh, giftings of knowledge and prophecy and wisdom. Some may speak even in tongues. Wow! I am, in a way, free from the flesh. Many of us just think, wow, the spiritual life really is a flesh-free life. Of course, that's not the truth. We are born again. We are filled with the very resurrection life of God. We are walking in the Spirit, but at the very same time, there is still residue of sin trapped within our fallen body, the flesh. So now I live a little bit in a war between my spirit who inclines to God, even my mind is beginning to be set on God and inclining to God, but my body is still very much trained in the habits and practices, and its inclination is 100% for the self, for the old man, for its old ways and its old will, and that the flesh just wants to do its own thing. If you're walking with God and you really are walking in the Spirit, then I think you know what I'm talking about. It is difficult to really be the worshiper of God and to be obedient with God and this flesh constantly just being at odds. The Spirit says, let's do this, and the flesh says, no, we're going to do it this way. And that war, I know you must experience it as much as I do. So how do we overcome this flesh? Well, religion would teach us, let's declare war on the flesh. Let's punish this thing. Let's fast this thing to starvation. Let's train it and let's discipline it. Let's create a boundary for it, a checklist for it, a do and a don't. And let's put law on it. Let's put a strong regulation on it. Let's get it up early. Let's keep it up at, at night. This is not what Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 8. Paul does not put any emphasis on the flesh that we should improve it or reform it or subject this flesh to all sorts of, of formulas and mechanical uh, uh, do's and don'ts and checkboxes. In Romans 8, which is the chapter of the Holy Spirit, Paul says in verse 12, that we are debtors not to live according to the flesh. 
In verse 13, he says, Because if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, if by this very Spirit of Christ and this very Spirit of God who dwells within you, this very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead physically brought him up into the resurrection, if that Spirit lives within you, and if by that Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, Paul says in Romans 8 verse 13, you will live. So there's seemingly two ways to put to death the deeds of the body, its habits and practices, and its sinful inclination. In religion, you do it through all sorts of rules and regulations and laws and steps, and oh, it's endless what you have to do if you're trapped in this matrix of self-improvement and self-performance and a spirituality of doing. On the other hand, Paul says, no, there is a way to deal with your body, and it's by the Spirit of God. So this message places a lot of emphasis on the Spirit of God again, so we can learn to trust Him, incline to Him, set our mind on Him, and look to His strength and resources and anointing, and to, yeah, His power to overcome this residual, leftover, inclinations of sin in the human body. Beloved, it is possible to live this Christian life with your body not as a thing of sin, but as an instrument of righteousness, and your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is very possible, according to Romans chapter 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors. We have a debt to pay. In a way, we are enslaved all over again. It says, however, that debt that we are supposed to pay and are obligated to pay, that debt is not to the flesh, to live according to this flesh. So I've been transitioned in a way from slavery to the flesh, a debt to the flesh, but now I'm a slave and a debtor to something else. And in context here, it's going to be the Spirit of God. So as a born-again, Spirit-filled believer in Yeshua, the Mashiach, Jesus the Christ, um, I am not released from slavery. It's, it's as though I, I swap one slave master, the law of sin and death, and I now come into another slave master, if you will, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Either way that you look at this, you and I are in debt. In the natural, in my unregenerated state, I am a debtor to the flesh. So whatever the flesh wants from me, 
I just do it. I, I pay that debt. The flesh wants food. I pay that debt. The flesh wants laziness. I pay that debt. The flesh wants pride and ego and lust and covetousness. Immediately, I just pay that debt. So yeah, the flesh is a task master. But then again, the flesh is under the influence of sin. And the Lord of sin, the master of sin, is the devil himself. Paul then comes and he speaks about how the Spirit dwells in us. If you flip back a little bit in verse 9, he speaks how the Spirit of God dwells within me. In verse 10, he speaks how Christ dwells within me. In verse 11, he speaks again how the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within me. So in three verses, Paul accentuates uh, repeats this one issue, Christ now lives within the believer. And then he says, yeah, because the Spirit is within you, you now have a new taskmaster, uh, a new Lord. But it's the Lord of life. It's the Lord of resurrection. It is God in Christ, in Spirit Himself. So, beloved, make peace with the fact. You are either a slave unto the law of sin and death, or you are slave you are a slave unto the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So yeah, we have a debt to pay. And he says, it's not to live according to the flesh. In verse 13, he goes on, he says, For if you live according to the flesh, if you answer the call of the flesh, he says that you will die. My Bible actually is more emphatic. You must die. Well, we know that the wages of sin is death. If you keep answering the knock of sin on the door of your life, eventually it's going to lead you down the path of death. But also, it's not just physical death. You're not just going to die physically because of living in the flesh. You're also going to die right now to the voice of God and to the anointing of God. If I answer the flesh today, I will experience even death today. And death is more than something that awaits you at the end of your life. We know that the wages of sin ultimately is death. You're going to die and then perhaps be in eternal death. But even more, we experience an imminent death in that when I answer the flesh and I just succumb to its wishes and whims and its will, immediately I forfeit the voice of God. I forfeit the leading of God. I forfeit the comfort of God. I forfeit the wisdom of God, the way of God, the anointing, the strength. The fruit, the giftings, all of that you forfeit. And in a way, what is that? It's the experience of death. So Paul is very clear. If you keep on living towards the flesh, you experience death now. It's going to lead you down the trail of ultimate death in the body. You're going to do something that's going to kill your flesh. And um, of course... In an unregenerated state, you will be in eternal death when you go down that path. So Paul takes the flesh very, very seriously. It's not as though we can just sin so that grace can increase. 
You know, I'm saved. And um, God is for me. He's not against me. And so I can just sin in the flesh. There's grace upon grace. As you would say here at the school, there's grace for that. Paul says, no, 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 not so fast. God does love you. He does want to bestow grace, but He bestows grace not on the arrogant, but on the humble. He bestows grace on the one who is inclined to the Lord, not the one who is in rebellion against Him. And if I answer the flesh persistently, I can't just claim the promise, oh, there's going to be grace. All things will work together for good. The context of all of this is that we walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, there's grace upon grace. Because, yeah, walking in the Spirit is difficult. You're going to struggle, and God will aid you in grace. But if I walk in the flesh, I can't just hold out this little verse, Oh God, make it work together. Oh God, you just do grace. No, grace comes to the humble, to the meek, to the gentle, not the rebel. So he says here, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. You're going to forfeit the power of the Spirit, the, the energy, the anointing, the ability of the Spirit. And then he comes in verse 13 to this glorious statement. And he actually now tells us how these bodily practices, these habits, these issues of my old body in which the law of sin and death dwells. Here he comes and he gives an actual answer how this will be dealt with. And he says, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds and the practices and the habits of the body, you will live. He's talking here about the Spirit. And in a way, he says, I am a slave to the Spirit. But notice the benefit of being a slave to the Spirit is that your body will be dealt with. Your unrighteousness, your rebellion, your waywardness, all these habits and practices that are just so innate and so natural and so earthly and sensual and fleshly, all of that on the positive side will actually, actually be uh, uh, transformed by God. God will, will deal with it and God will bring holiness to those areas. So here then is a little bit of an issue. A believer in Jesus Christ who is filled with the Holy Spirit is a person whose body and the, the practices, the habits of the body slowly have to come under transformation. You cannot stay the same in your body and say that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. This is what he's teaching here. You set your mind on the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to give life to your body and even raise it one day from the dead. And here he comes to this issue of just this, this ongoing lifestyle in sin, this rebellious, slave-like nature to the uh, dark side. And he makes this statement that the issues of the body will have to be put to death. It will have to stop. It will have to cease under the influence of the Spirit. 
So we have to ask this tough question. How long have I been walking with the Spirit of God? How long have I been in the life of the new creation? And then how is my body and its practices and its habits, how is my body complying to my new owner, the Spirit of God? And is my body changing? Are the habits that I just so innately and naturally succumb to, the will of the flesh and the mandates of the flesh, do I give into it still very easily? Or is there a measure of transformation? And that is the issue that I want to address. A believer apparently is not a perfect person. We all have many, many weaknesses. But according to Romans 6, your body now becomes a slave to righteousness. That is, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and this tent is also to be dealt with, to be washed, to be scrubbed, to be sanctified by the Spirit of God. You can't just say that the Spirit of God dwells in your heart or in your spirit, and the Spirit of God is going to change your mind, but the Spirit of God is not going to address the issues of your body. A believer is addressed holistically by God. Spirit, soul, and body. Let me prove that to you quickly from another writing of Paul, a writing that came much earlier than his letter to the Romans, and it's the letter to the Thessalonians. If you turn to Thessalonians chapter 5, his first letter to the Thessalonians, I will show you how Paul puts this issue of God even dealing with the body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 23, he says that the God of peace himself will sanctify you completely. So it's kind of interesting how he says here, God is at peace with you. He's not at war with you. And God wants to sanctify you. That is, wash you and cleanse you and mature you and grow you and transform you. And then he uses this word, God wants to do this sanctification work completely within your being, holistically, entirely. And then he's going to list what it means to be holistically sanctified. So he says, and the God of peace himself will sanctify you wholly, completely, every part of you. And may your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless. There's something God wants to do in your spirit. There's something obviously God wants to do in my crooked, wayward, cultural, unrenewed mind. But even more, there's something God wants to do within my body. He wants to make my body blameless. He wants to mature the body change its practices, transform it so that it's entirely a vessel of honor. And we know that one day, ultimately, God is going to glorify the body, completely change the mortality of this body into immortality, and the fallenness of this body into glory. 
But beloved, according to Paul's letters, we get this idea that it's not just one day that my body will be transformed, that my body will be glorified in the resurrection, but even now, as the temple of God, as he writes in Corinthians uh, chapter 6, even now the temple of God is to undergo a washing and a cleansing. So my body and its practices, it's got to change. It, it's got to transform. And in Romans 8, he gives us a clue as to how this will happen. If by the Spirit, if by the Spirit, if by the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, you put to death the deeds of the body, only then will you experience life. So here he says, God Himself is going to do this. But who's God? God is Father. God is Son. Come on, y'all. And God is Holy Spirit. So God Himself is going to do this work. Religion cannot change your body. All the customs and traditions of mankind and even religious mankind cannot change your body. All the filters you put on your computer cannot change your body. It cannot do something for that greed, that lust, that craving within. Poking out your eyes is not going to change your body. It may limit it. Cutting things, snipping things is not going to change your body. Fasting is not going to change your body. Whipping it is not going to change your body. It has to be changed, washed, transformed, and ultimately glorified by the one who gave you this temple, God Himself. Amen! Amen. This is the teaching of the New Testament, and this is something I really want to get into with you guys. Because we all need to undergo some change. We all recognize in me dwells nothing good. My flesh stinketh, if you will. And we all know that, man, this, this body, it's got to change, but how? Paul says God will do this. And He will do it in a peaceful way. He's not mad at your body. He doesn't want to hurt your body. God who is at peace with you wants to do a cleansing, washing work in spirit, soul, and body. Look back at Thessalonians and look at actually the most marvelous verse here, verse 24. Paul says in 23, God wants to do this complete work, but then he says, God is faithful. Faithful is He who calls you. Faithful is the one that has this future and destiny in front of you. Faithful is the one who's going to do this washing work, this transforming work, this glorification work. Faithful is the one who calls you to holiness. And then notice what it says. He will also do it. Y'all, this is an amazing promise. It's almost as though the pressure's off of me. The pressure's off of me to invent ways to reform this body, invent ways to wash this body. It's not up to me. It's up to God, by His Spirit, doing a work within me to subdue the body and to put to death the practices thereof. So, yeah, 
Does that absolve you and I from responsibility? Paul says, no, you, you, you have a debt to pay. You're an absolute slave. You are yoked to God. You have a debt to pay to the Spirit of God. That's why he says, walk in the Spirit. Lean into the Spirit. Mind the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. This is how you pay the debt. And what will the Spirit of God do for you? He Himself will do it. Y'all, this is good news. So those of you that have been trying to change and you've been trying to reform yourself and you've been trying to sort of discipline yourself before God and you find yourself struggling, it's because your mind is set on formulas. Your mind is set on uh, self-induced discipline. Your mind is set on do and don't good and evil, pursue and avoid. And when your mind is constantly set on what this body should and shouldn't do, and you're in this matrix of good and evil, (laughs) sin and death is still going to lord over you. So what's the alternative? The alternative is to acknowledge that in me dwells nothing good. It's to acknowledge my flesh stinketh. And then constantly come to God. Lord, I love you. Lord, I trust you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this house. Holy Spirit, I surrender all. And when you constantly mind the Spirit, something strange will happen to you. God Himself will begin to rewire this flesh. God Himself will begin to scrub and train this flesh. And according to Romans, God Himself, by His Spirit, will put to death the deeds of your body. All these inward cravings that you and I have, these egos, these prides, these covetousnesses that we have, these competitive, comparativenesses that we have, all of that stuff cannot be improved by self-help. It can at best be suppressed. But if it is to be changed and transformed, it will have to be done by the Spirit of God. So, hey, I want to uh, throw out a couple of words for your consideration between God's way of dealing with the flesh and man's way, or let's say culture's way, or even worse, religion's way. First of all, religion is trying to always improve the flesh. Religion will always try to self-help and self-improve the flesh. Now, beloved, there are things that you and I can do in the body to help us in the natural life. But in our walk with God, there's nothing you and I can do in our body to strengthen our walk with God. Our walk with God is of God, 
of Christ and of the Spirit. Therefore, if we are to walk with God in the body, then He, Father, Son, and Spirit Himself, will have to do something in my body. But now, in my job and in the natural affairs of life, yes, I can train my body. Yes, I can discipline my body. Yes, I can eat healthy. I can exercise. I can learn to greet people. I can learn to look in the eyes. So there, there is something you can do in your body, but that's insofar the natural world is concerned. Does that make sense? But now, walking with God and not lusting, not covening, but using my body as a temple for the Holy Spirit, all of those dynamics, there's not much you can do for it except in your spirit, Lean in to God. So religion, self-help, is all about the improvement of the flesh. Constantly fixating on the flesh. Well, God's way is to infuse Himself into your flesh. And this is what Romans 8 is teaching. Romans 8 says that the law of the Spirit of life dwells in you. In verse 9, the Spirit dwells within you. In verse 10, in verse 11, Christ, Spirit, dwells within you. That is, He wants to infuse Himself within you. So, if religion tries to merely improve the flesh, you will die. We'll talk about that in a moment. But apparently, if the Spirit infuses, if the Spirit can be at home within me, if I can welcome the presence of God, if I can mind Him and worship Him and walk in Him, then that infusion will somehow put to death the deeds of my body. Another uh, concept I want to bring to your attention is that man is constantly trying to reform his flesh. Man is fixating on reformation, renewal, if you will. Reform this decadent fallen body and, and let's make it a beautiful body. But I want to tell you, God is not into reformation. I want to submit to you, God is into trans. Formation. God is into transformation. Man is into reforming. Now let me tell you, reformation. Reformation requires principles and disciplines and strategies and formulas and check boxes. That's why so many young Christians, they love the checkbox. Because they think if I can just check the box, then I can reform this body. And a year goes by, and two years goes by, and three years go by, and they have not changed one iota in the body. Why? Because no checkbox, no step A, step B, step C, process one, two, three, there's nothing that it can do for the body. Oh, it can do something for the body. According to Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, there's a lot of people who are very disciplined in the body, very structured, very methodical, 
and they overcome certain situations in the body. But actually, it breeds altogether another monster within them, and that monster is called self-righteousness. You'll see this is what religion does. This is how Paul brags in Philippians chapter 3. As to the law, I was a zealot. As to righteousness, I've arrived. I I am perfect. And there's this braggadociousness that comes with people who deliver themselves, who uses the strategies of books and people and men and ministries and movements. Eventually, they get puffed up with this very subtle monster called self-righteousness. Look at me, how good I'm doing it. Why can't you? I've known many people like this in my life also where they are very disciplined. They follow step A, step B, step C, and boom, they have a certain result. And then they advertise it to the whole world. Look at me. Look at me how I've discovered prayer. Look at me how I got delivered from this addiction. Look at me. Look at me. And that is self-righteousness. And this is what comes from man's improvement and man's self-reformation. The Spirit of God does a different thing within us. So yes, the natural man using natural means, he in a way reforms, but he gives glory and attention to himself, self-righteousness. But a man under the influence and the infusion of the Holy Spirit, when he's delivered from his addiction, or he overcomes that issue, or he's able to say no to this drink, or yes to that mission, or he's able to give this and turn that cheek, that man will never say, look at me. That man will always say, I am what I am because of the grace of God. I am what I am because of the Spirit of God. I am what I am because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory be to Him. So two people change. But the one, in a way, changes so that he is the center of attention. And the other one changes because of God Himself. So He knows who to give glory to. Man improves. Man reforms. God infuses and God transforms. And then the last word that I want to focus on is that man is constantly in his religion and in his self-improvement endeavors. He's constantly focusing on behavior. How am I doing? Did I do it right? Did I pray long enough? Did I fast long enough? Did I have a quiet time long enough? Constantly, his behavior. The spirit man is not minding the flesh, because if you mind the flesh, you will die. The spirit man is not constantly fixating on his behavior. Let me tell you, The spirit man is practicing fellowship with God. He's learning constantly to come before God. His attention, his worship, his energy is expended on his master, on his Lord. He has a debt to pay to his Lord. So he's not fixating on how can I improve? How can I reform? What did I do good and what did I do wrong? He's not in this introspective self-evaluation matrix 
that will cause you to die. Because, yeah, we are our own worst critics and we will often say, well, I've not done good enough. Let me try harder. And we will constantly criticize ourselves and condemn ourselves. And that's not the spiritual life. The spiritual life is one of fellowship with God. Enjoying this abiding presence of the indwelling Lord. That's the spiritual life. And that is what Paul is trying to teach us here in Romans 8. Paul says, yeah, you are now filled with the Spirit. You are set free from the law of sin and death. God now lives within you. Okay. Now you're a debtor. You're a slave all over again. But you're a, sp you're a slave to this indwelling Spirit. And by the Spirit, you can now actually for the first time organically, genuinely and permanently deal with the issues of the flesh. I just want to close with an example, perhaps. The Spirit is the means whereby you will overcome the issues of this world. Now, your body is of this world. And so it is very trained in the practices and habits of this world. Your body sees gold. It's going to sort of begin to arouse uh, covetousness. You, your body sees glory. And it's going to be aroused in ego and pride. Your body sees girls. And it's going to be aroused in feelings of the flesh and lust. As we say, the big three. The gold, the girls, and the glory. So your body just naturally responds to these things. It's as though those three things knock at the door, and my body just automatically, without even thinking, responds to these things. But when the Spirit of God grows within you, beloved, most amazing thing happens. Here comes the gold. And in a way, you're not walking like a Pharisee. Ooh, I shall not look at gold. I shall not look at gold. Don't look at gold. Don't look at gold. That's Phariseeism. Don't look at the girl. Don't look at the girl. Oh, there's a girl. Don't look at the girl. Yeah, there's the glory, the pride, the ego, the prestige, the success. Oh, don't go for that. Don't do this. That's a Pharisee. That is a man trying to improve himself. Fixating on his behavior. And in time you will learn how the Pharisee tried to overcome sin. He did all these practices to overcome sin. And yet it never worked for him. But something else happens with the Spirit of God. Here I am. I'm just in fellowship with God. I enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. Gold all of a sudden presents itself. The girl. The glory. And what will happen is that the Spirit will be so rich within you, you're not even aware of the gold, the girl, and the glory. And furthermore, there's the strength to say, thank you, but no thank you.
if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. And I've experienced this, beloved. Uh, the other night, I watched um, a new movie that came out on television, PG-13. And um, a kind of a comedy show. And um, it's a follow-up movie from a previous movie. So I, I thought, I'll just watch this. And, and um, five minutes into it, I was like, ah, this is not for me. This strange feeling came into me. This is not really for me. I thought, man, this would be a great movie. And so I watched 10 minutes, and this feeling just grew stronger. This is not really for me. And in about 15 minutes, there was a strength that came into me to just turn it off. I picked up a book and I read. See, by the Spirit, I was able to put to death that particular television show. I did not go and it's like, oh, I will not watch a PG-13 movie. I will not watch a PG-13. I'm not going to watch a PG checklist. It's been a year since I've watched a PG-13 movie. See, when you mind that, you're going to die. And I will teach you also in due time that the strength of sin is the law. Whenever you put a law on yourself and say, I will never watch a movie ever again. You arouse the strength of sin within you, according to 1 Corinthians 15. So you live under the law of the Spirit. And the Spirit was just enabling me, strengthening me, infusing His capability into me to turn that particular show off. And that's exactly what Paul is teaching. By the Spirit, I'm able to put to death the deeds of the body. Amen? So, beloved, you're a slave. I know that doesn't sit good. You can't say amen. I, I know, I understand that. But you're a slave. You're a slave. You have a debt and obligation to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord.